well, well, welcome to the show. And first things first, what I always like to do is talk about California. And someone brought this to my attention a couple days ago. And this is dated July 8th of 2019. I used to live in Sacramento, well, the county, uh, North Highlands to be exact, right off of Interstate 80 and Watt Avenue, right where all the hookers, uh, the pimps, the drug dealers. It was basically a clean shithole. It wasn't run down or anything like Baltimore, but it was actually halfway decent. Uh, Aside from the gunshots and the loud music and tires burning out, police. (laughs) Back to the story. This was from speedsociety.com. California County makes certain automotive repairs in your own garage illegal. Yes, you heard that right. There are some auto repairs that you can't even do in your garage. You can't do them in your driveway and you really can't do them in your garage. And the article starts out this way. Okay, we're going to be a bit frank. When it comes to being a gearhead, California is basically the worst enemy and it is. Man, you can't do shit in this state. The stress level for its residents is so high unless you take a bus sit in Starbucks and play on your laptop. If someone decides they want more power, there's a good chance that they'll get the book dropped on them. That's usually when it comes time to go get your car smogged. Therefore, people looking to modify their vehicles might want to seek out another place to live, like Nevada, Arizona, Montana, whatever any other state than California I think it's basically like the entire state is a picky homeowners association peeking into your business and that's what they are it's like a damn HOA this is how you're gonna do things you can't paint your house this color because it goes against our HOA policies can't have the neighbor over there looking at you seeing what you're doing is that the right color he's putting on there that looks a little darker than usual I'm gonna have to call the HOA however it turns out that some areas are getting even worse than others Sacramento County forget about modifying a vehicle in some places apparently DIY mechanics won't even be able to work on their own vehicles The Sacramento Zoning Code specifies only minor vehicle repair is allowed. And I I would assume that would be something like uh, checking your fluids and your radiator oil, topping them off, uh, maybe fixing a headlight, blinker, something like that. If it's anything major, though, you can forget about it. They continue to say that this includes things like replacing brakes or doing oil changes. Wow. Minor vehicle repairs include brake parts replacements, minor tune-ups, change of oil and filter, repair of flat tires, lubrication, other similar operations. Basically shit that 
you don't have to take to uh, Jiffy Lube or something like that to get done if you know how to do it yourself. Uh, you're pulling engine out of your car if you know how to do it. Save money. However, from there, the code proceeds to get more confusing. Directly from the county's code enforcement website, they tell us the following. And just to confirm it, I did check the county's uh, website, looked up the code, and it's there. As a matter of fact, let me pull it up so I can give it to you. Uh, let's see. Codeenforcement.sacCounty.net Probably should have had that pulled up already. Uh, do they have a number on this thing? And I do not see anything. It's in Home, Programs, and FAC under Auto Repair. But there is no section code. It does refer to others. See section 5.2.0B. They're all referring to 5.2.0.B of the zoning code. Anyways, it is unlawful for any person to engage in or permit others to engage in minor vehicle repair or maintenance in any agricultural, agricultural residential, residential, interim estate, and interim residential zones. So that means that if you own your home and say your friend needs to change his radiator in his car and he don't have a garage to do it in because it's raining outside or something like that you can't invite him over to use your garage temporarily so he can change his radiator in the comfort of dry they continue to tell us that this applies under the following circumstances using tools not normally found in a residence so because a larger majority of people that don't know how to use tools, so they don't have them, we got to comply with their standards? Who the hell are you to tell us? Conducted on vehicles registered to persons not currently residing on the lot or parcel. They make that specific. So if you don't live there, you can't work on your car there. Conducted outside a fully enclosed garage and resulting in any vehicle being inoperable for a period in excess of 24 hours. So if a tow truck drops your car off because the transmission quit at, say, 8 at night because there's no garages open at that time that you could take it to to have it repaired... You park it in your driveway and you want to wait until you get paid next week so you can take it to the shop to have it fixed. You're breaking the law. Now, how strict these codes actually are is up for debate. However, if the powers that be want to hassle an individual, it would probably be pretty easy. I can understand people that got their car sitting up on jack stands, sitting on pallets or blocks, wheels off, missing fenders, blah, 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 looking like a, a piece of shit, 
especially when they don't have their lawns mowed, weeds growing up, bushes untrimmed, trash laying around in the driveway in the front yard, paint's peeling off the house, roof looks like it's about ready to fly off in the next fart. That I can understand. That, But if somebody's got a clean house, clean driveway, looks like they maintain their house and they have something like a Jeep over there with the wheels off of it because they're probably getting new wheels and tires for it or they're getting ready to pull the rear end, you're probably going to be the one that's a target because it looks like you have money. When it comes to the other neighborhoods, you're going to be a target just because they just want to tow you off, piss you off. It almost seems as if the law was written vaguely. I think I missed something here. I think I did. In turn, it's hard to really say what tools are normally found in a residence, as the code states. It almost seems as if the law was written vaguely on purpose. We would definitely recommend looking into this on your own if you are unfortunate enough to work on a car in the area. And it's right, it, it's written very vaguely. It kind of gives them leverage either way you want to look at it to where they're going to have the upper hand. According to the DMV, an estimated 1.2 million vehicles are disposed of annually in California, and approximately 360,000 wind up in the hands of unlicensed and unregulated dismantlers. Oh, boy. These unlicensed and unregulated dismantlers are typically people that get cars... They part them out to make money. And I see it a lot in the lower income neighborhoods because it's the only way they can make money. Jobs don't necessarily exist within walking distance of where they live. So this is what they do. They, they get a vehicle, they scrap it out, and then when it comes down to where nothing left but the body and the frame... They take it to a, a licensed and regulated dismantler. So this way the rest of the car is disposed of properly. That's the legal way to do it. Now they want to stop the whole entire process. If your car breaks down, they want you to get rid of it. They don't want you to fix it. Unlicensed vehicle dismantlers operate in the underground economy and do not comply with licensing requirements. They don't have to. There's no law. Well, California, they apparently have it now. But if I own my vehicle, I have a right to sell a part off of my vehicle. If I pull my radiator for some reason, I want to put in a bigger radiator, it's my right. I, I can sell my old radiator. I don't have to. I'm not breaking a law doing that. DMV Director Gene Shiamoto said, these individuals ignore environmental regulatory requirements. I guess they're worried about a drip of oil on the ground, some coolant leaking out of the radiator. And then he continues on with insurance and tax obligations. Well, I could see why with all the high taxes in this place and workplace safety requirements. It's not a workplace. 
So they're not bound to any requirements. Vehicle fluids can seep and contaminate groundwater and defective parts can be sold to unsuspecting people, creating a potential public safety hazard. <laughs> right. And that's pretty much it. End of that article. But it's just another way for California and some left-leaning cities to get more money out of your pocket, whether they don't even want it to get in your pocket to begin with. They, they want it in your pocket, but they want to take it right back out. Wherever you are listening from, you can always find me on several places, and my podcast is growing. It's actually still in the process of growing and being transitioned over onto other platforms. But right now, you can hear me pretty much on nine different platforms. And those platforms, I'm going to give them to you right now. And the best way to do any of it is just search for Big Johnson Unfiltered, pretty much like it says in the title of this show. And you should be able to find it. Uh, those places are YouTube, Facebook, and you should be able to search for that. If not, just look for uh, the Big Johnson Media page on Facebook, and then there you'll find my podcast. Same way on YouTube, Big Johnson Media, and it should pop right up. And the other uh, seven places that you can find my podcast uh, is Spotify, iTunes, Breaker, Radio Public, Anchor, Google Podcast, and Pocket Cast. Uh, some of these, most of these, I believe, offer apps that you can download on your phones or uh, tablets and you can listen that way. I believe some of them you can download and listen to them offline also like iTunes and uh, Anchor and Spotify. So it gives you nine different ways to listen to me and each and every time another platform picks up the show I'll be sure to update the uh, links or uh, names of the things. What I got to do is come up with links and stuff like that, but right now they're they're kind of non-static links, so they change randomly. So I can't really post a static link to any of them. Maybe I could do a one of those short URLs or something to it. Maybe it'll stick. I'm not sure, but those are the places you can find me at. Feel free to subscribe to your favorite one. I really can't wait, and I mean really can't wait. Till I can get into my studio and get that place done and get everything transferred over there, get all my microphones over there, mixing boards and all the equipment that goes to it, all the cords, cables, cameras, and everything else. Eventually, I will be going on camera and doing this thing over video, probably on YouTube or something like that. Probably not Facebook. They like to censor too much there. YouTube's not that great either, but at least they keep the videos up they'll just demonetize your ass but I just can't wait to get that done so this way I can actually do this podcast probably a little bit more than often because right now what I'm doing I'm just kind of piecing things together throughout the week and at least getting it started and out there so at least people can listen to it and take their time to judge uh, is this guy worth listening to Uh, does he have the common sense to even 
be out here pushing anything. I hope I do. I mean, I think I do. I, I do support my president. I pretty much agree with almost everything he says. There's a couple things I don't, but I think I made that pretty evidently clear in the past. But I don't even want to get into that right now. But basically, I just want to get this done. So I'm hoping that everybody is at least enjoying what I'm putting out here right now once a week. I'm going to try and push a little bit more in midweek. See if I can get some maybe bits and pieces and uh, some other commentary out in midweek and like I said that stuff will be totally uh, named different stuff like maybe rants or something like that I don't know yet I gotta think about it a little bit more but hopefully you guys are enjoying this and we'll get on to some more and next one here comes from California also and believe it or not the governor actually signed this bill into law and I could probably see it going to the Supreme Court. And there's some people out there that are kind of using other instances where the Supreme Court ruled, you know, about independence uh, don't need to be on the ballots in California because we only have a two-party system here, Republicans and Democrats. And Democrats always seem to think that they can do their own form of gerrymandering instead of doing redistricting this is another form of gerrymandering to where they're suppressing the vote and this time they're suppressing the vote of conservatives and here's how it starts California will require President Trump and any other presidential candidate to release their tax returns before appearing on the ballot how can California determine a law that's federal? This is a federal election, not a state election. So how does California come up with this crap? This is uh, from Sacramento, CBS 13, which I'm pretty sure is probably a, a copy over or something from CNN. In order for President Donald Trump to appear on California's presidential primary ballot, he will need to disclose five years' worth of tax returns by November 26th. Does it have to be the last five years? Could it be five years prior to, say, 1980 or 1990? doesn't say that. Now, the bill might, but I'm just reading the article. Governor Gavin Newsom signed Senate Bill 27 Tuesday. He wrote to the members of the California State Senate, Today I am signing SB 27, the Presidential Tax Transparency and Accountability Act. I agree with the legislature that the state of California has strong interest in ensuring that its voters make informed, educated choices at the voting booth. Well, then why aren't you releasing your tax returns? Why isn't each and every congressional member in the state, federal, uh, congressional, senate, all of them, why aren't they all bound by this bill? I want to see everybody's tax. If you're going to make me see President Trump's tax returns, then I want to see all y'all's tax returns. That's fair. 
As one of the largest economies in the world and home to one of the nine Americans eligible to vote, California has a special responsibility to require this information of presidential and gubernatorial candidates. Why not Senates? Why not the House of Representatives? Why not all these little seats within the state of California? Mayor? Uh, assemblyman? Why not all of them? These are extraordinary times and states have a legal and moral duty to do everything in their power to ensure leaders seeking the highest office meet minimal standards and to restore public confidence. California can't determine who appears on a federal election ballot. That's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. The disclosure required by this bill will shed light on conflicts of interest, self-dealing, or influence from domestic and foreign business interests. Eh, going back to Russia, I see where this is at. The United States Constitution grants states the authority to determine how their electors are chosen. How their electors are chosen. And California is well within its constitutional right to include this requirement. I don't think so. Your electors are chosen. How do you think their electors are chosen? People vote. And when people vote, the electors vote for the people. That can be changed. I mean, California could just go by popular vote and skip out the electors, right? Well, I don't know. Continuing on, in October of 2018, the Brennan Center's National Task Force on Rule of Law and Democracy, there we go with that democracy thing again, a bipartisan group of former public servants and policy experts, most likely all Democrat, recommended that Congress standardize and codify the long-standing practice of tax return disclosure by sitting presidents vice presidents, and candidates for those offices to assist the voters and deter corruption. What about corruption at the local and city and state levels? Like the bullet train. That was nothing but corruption. I agree, this law should be a national standard. Accordingly, I am signing Senate Bill 27. I agree. Pretty much with the premise of this, but I want to see it from the very bottom office all the way to the top office. Everything should be transparent. Nothing held back for Govern Governor Newsom, for... Uh, I, we just had a special election, so I'm not even sure right now who's the assemblyman or whatever. Congressman Doug LaMalfa, all, every single one of them. This bill, known as the Presidential Tax Transparency and Accountability Act, requires all presidential and gubernatorial candidates in the state disclose their returns at least 98 days before an election. They had previously passed both the Senate and Assembly along party lines. Now that SB 27 is law, candidates must file two copies of the five most recent returns with the California Secretary of State's office. See, what this does... It just eliminates Trump off the ballot if he doesn't turn in his taxes. 
you still write his name in. Apparently, what Democrats think this is going to do is, oh, Republicans are dumb, so President Trump's not going to appear on the ballot, so they'll have no choice but to vote for a Democrat or for some other Republican. No. We can actually write in our president's name. If I'm not dumb enough to fall for it, I don't think there's any other Republican or conservative or any other Trump supporter that's going to fall for your bullshit either. What they want, what this is all designed to do is to uh, intimidate people into voting for some other direction and it manipulate, it will manipulate the popular vote in California and also in the federal election. So if they think I can't vote for Donald Trump, people just ain't going to vote. And guess what that does? Half, half of the millions of people in California won't be voting. And how many millions of people are there in California? I don't even know right now. But just say 10 million. That's 10 million votes less from the national popular vote. And guess what happens? Even though... President Trump wins all those states and puts him over that threshold to win the presidency, we got 10 million less votes than the last time. And just say the outcome is the same, whereas like 1.2 million uh, discrepancy in the popular vote between Trump and Clinton... If we add 10 million to that, that's 11 million. That gives them, California, the ability to say, hey, no, we're going to take this to the Ninth Circuit and we're going to fight this in court. He's not the president. And because of that, they can actually do that. That's what they're attempting to do. This law applies to all presidential, yeah, regardless of party affiliation. California's next election is the primary on March 3rd. California has a number of requirements for those running for other state offices. Keyword, other state offices. This isn't federal, so I'm not even going to run through all that shit. In 2017, then-candidate Gavin Newsom disclosed six years' worth of tax returns while running for governor. Good for him. It has been customary for presidential candidates to release their tax returns. Customary, not mandatory. Although it isn't federal law, however, candidates for president and vice president must disclose certain financial information to the Federal Election Commission within 30 days 30 days of declaring their candidacy. That information contains financial ranges, not specific amounts. And a candidate doesn't include homes, cars, and federal retirement plans. California is one of a number of states that introduce legislation requiring candidates to reveal their tax information. A separate federal bill for the People Act is also being debated. That bill would require a candidate to release 10 years' worth of returns. A question remains of whether this is allowed under the U.S. Constitution, per the analysis. And no, it's not. You have to be 35 years of age. You have to be a resident born in this country. 
it's all spelled out specifically clear in the Constitution. Those are the requirements. You, if you want to change those requirements, then you have to amend it. While the courts have not ruled directly on this question, the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled on ballot access requirements for congressional candidates and has held that states and the federal government cannot add to the qualifications of senator or congressional reps outlined in the federal constitution. In 1995, the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in U.S. Term Limits v. Thornton, 1995, 514 U.S. 779, held that Arkansas could not deny ballot access to congressional candidates who served more than three terms or to Senate candidates who served more than two terms, essentially striking down measures that the state had enacted to create congressional term limits. So the state wanted to do imply term limits, and it went to court, and they got denied because it was unconstitutional. Furthermore, the court ruled that the U.S. Constitution set the exclusive qualifications running for federal office, including age and citizenship requirements, and that states do not have the authority to alter or add to the terms contained in them. The courts have also allowed states to the authority to set reasonable conditions for candidates for federal elective office in order to ensure serious candidates appear on the ballot. Such conditions include common mechanisms such as filing fee or securing a sufficient number of voter signatures on a petition. However, such conditions cannot go further and set substantive conditions for who can run. In Storr v. Brown, 1974, 415, U.S. 724 and 732 through 733, the court upheld a California law that prohibited an independent candidate from running if he had registered with a party or voted in the preceding party primary and required candidates to complete a petition with 5% of signatures from the preceding general election as specified. The court upheld the law as it applied to congressional candidates and affirmed that provisions that merely regulate access to the ballot are constitutionally permissible, even though that those requirements are not contained in the relevant constitutional qualifications clause. In sum, term limits stands for the proposition that states cannot use ballot access provisions to add or alter the qualifications for federal elective office, while Storer affirms that provisions that merely regulate access to the ballot are constitutionally permissible. So you can't make a law that circumvents the Constitution. Just like free speech. You can't circumvent someone's free speech. You can go out there and have your own free speech and try to talk over somebody, but you can't purposely shut a person up by assaulting them. You can't kick them. You can't punch them in the mouth. Any of that. A lot of people say that's only for the government. No, that's for everybody. That's constitution. When you're out there and you get punched in the mouth because you're a Democrat and you want to go yelling constitution, you'll find out real quick how the law works. They know because they'll go use it. But the instant you want to use it, now you can't do that. That's how stupid these people are. In the 2016 election, California had 172 Republican delegates and 551 Democrat delegates. 
That's a big change in numbers. 475 pledged and 76 unpledged. The Republican delegates were pledged to support now President Donald Trump after he won the primary with 74.7% of the vote. John Kasich came in second, carrying 114 <laughs> of the vote. In order to secure the Republican nomination for president, a candidate needed to secure a simple majority, 1,237 of the 2,472 total delegates. For the Democrats, Hillary Clinton won California's primary with 53.07% of the vote and secured 320 delegates, 254 pledged and 66 unpledged. Senator Bernie Sanders got 46% of the vote and earned 221 delegates, 221 pledged and 0 unpledged. In 2016, the Democrat candidate for president needed 2,382 of the party's 4,763 delegates to win the nomination. Governor Jerry Brown vetoed similar legislation in 27, writing, Although tax returns are by law confidential, many presidential candidates have voluntarily released them. Even Jerry Brown agrees it's pretty much unconstitutional, this law that Newsom signed. Because they are, they're confidential. A person should be secure in their papers and their home. I know that goes to search and seizure, but still. My papers is in my home, this is my place, my castle. Say the hell out of it. This bill is a response to President Trump's refusal to release his returns during the last election. So what? While I, while I recognize the political attractiveness, even the merits, of getting President Trump's tax returns, I worry about the political perils of individual states seeking to regulate presidential elections in this manner. First, it may not be constitutional. Second, it sets a slippery slope. Precedent. Today, we require tax returns, but what would be next? Five years of health records, a certified birth certificate, high school report cards, and will these requirements vary depending on which political party is in power? My God, Governor Jerry Brown gets it. A qualified candidate's ability to appear on a ballot is fundamental to our democratic system. For that reason, I hesitate to start down a road that well might lead to an ever-escalating set of differing state requirements for presidential candidates. If Jerry Brown gets it, why don't Newsom? As a matter of fact, I hope they use Jerry Brown's statements in court, because you know that's where this law is going to go. Want to be a sponsor of the show? Shoot me an email at leejohnsonmedia at gmail.com and be sure to put in the subject field sponsor so this way we can sort out all the junk mail and stuff and yours will stick out above the rest. If you need the proper spelling of that, there is a link in the description of this show. Again, leejohnsonmedia at gmail.com and don't forget to put sponsor in the subject field. And it looks like this whole damn show is going to be about California because, man... This next one, I'm just going to kind of throw my opinion out there. 
There was a poll going around. I can't quite remember where it was and who showed it. I think it was CBS 13 out of Sacramento was the uh, news outlet that posted it. But 53% of Californians are seriously thinking of moving out of the state. A big majority of those are millennials. That, that kind of says something about the state of the state. It is a big shithole. And it's getting bigger. And the funny thing about it is, the way I look at it, the more people that move out of this state, the more red it's going to be. Believe it or not, don't get me wrong, but I believe this state will eventually turn red. Because what happens when people move out of a state like California, they have to get whatever they they have to oh shit what the hell is that word they they have to make up for the loss somewhere so when they collect all these taxes and just say 53% of the people moved out of California guess what they're going to have to do they're going to have to raise taxes at least by 50% just to compensate for some of the loss and who who's going to pay that do you think Democrats are going to pay 50, 50% more in taxes I don't think so Hell, some of these 53% that's in this article is probably Democrats. I wouldn't doubt it. These people, they come into this state and they they pass these laws and and they're the first ones to move out. People like me, I live here in the northern tip of the Sacramento Valley. I'm still here and I'm barely hanging on. I can't afford much more. And if they pass much more, I'm going to have to bail California. But... There, there's people like me and Eric Thompson. We're still in California. Ben Berquam, he's still in California. Will Johnson moved and left to Texas. But some people are still sticking it out. And we're here to keep this fight going. And eventually, we're, probably, we're most likely going to win this fight because these people, like I said, they come in here, they set these laws, and then all of a sudden they, they feel the pain in their pocket and say, hey, why did I do this? I got to get out of this state. We're, we're killing ourselves here. Or do they come here to make these laws and then go to another state to start it all over again? Is, is that their plan? Or are they going to be moving around to each and every state until they make everything a socialist state? Seriously, though, I, I think, like the title says, I, I think Rush Limbaugh got out of here just in time. And if you remember, Rush Limbaugh started his career in Sacramento. So he knows a lot about California. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that out here. Think about it. I know it's a conspiracy theory, if you want to call it that. But if you sit here and think about it logically, in depth, and do a little bit of research, you might see where I'm coming from with this. Because I don't see California being California much more one way or the other it's either going to be its own country and it's going to take a big nosedive of its own of it uh, as its own country or it's going to just kind of fall on its face and then it's going to turn red again and just hopefully by 2020 it turns red again but with this mayor I don't know or governor, I don't know. This this guy's a clown. But that that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. 
Okay, I'm going to kind of speed through these next two because I'm kind of running out of time, but I just want to get them in there. Uh, this next article is the Epic Times, and it is dated July 31st, which would be, uh, what is that, yesterday. Uh, illegal immigrant bought baby for $80 in Guatemala to get priority release into the USA. This comes from Washington. Children are being rented, bought, kidnapped, and recycled so that single adults, mostly men from Central America, can gain quick release into the United States after crossing the border illegally. And, and we've seen that kind of happen. Uh, the cost of renting a child varies. We've had, indi we've had indications that it could cost anywhere from a few hundred or even in some cases less than a hundred dollars, up to one thousand or more, said Kevin McAleenan, acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, during a congressional hearing on July 18th. In, in coming right from the State Department, pretty much, of the DHS, but nobody's listening to him. McAleenan said in one case a 51-year-old illegal alien had purchased a six-month-old baby for $80 in Guatemala so that he could easily get into the United States. The man, a Honduran national, confessed to border agents when he was faced with a DNA test. Oh, man, those fucking DNA tests, man. They, they can't have those. Can't have those things because that's going to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's not a father. We've seen all manner of smuggling organizations communicating to potential customers and to those crossing the border how to bring a child with them to be allowed to stay in the United States, McAleenan said. They've been active in advertising, literally on Facebook and on the radio in Central America. I've heard about that, advertising in Central America. I can't remember who from, but I do remember hearing that. Homeland Security Investigations, a Division of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, sent 400 agents to El Paso and Rio Grande Valley, Texas, in mid-April to interview families that Border Patrol suspected were fake. In the past eight weeks, HSI special, special agents have identified 5,500 fraudulent families, about 15% of all cases referred. You say that number is small, but considering, you know, that thousands are coming across and 15% of thousands, just say 15% of a thousand, that, that's 150, that's a lot of people. McAleenan said agents have uncovered 921 fake documents and 615 individuals have been prosecuted for trafficking or smuggling a child. But we're worried about kids locked in cages. Even though that's bullshit. They're not locked in cages. But that's what we're worried about. We're not worried about a kid dying in the desert. We're not worried about people smuggling kids. People sex trafficking kids across the border. Because that gets into the next story. Continuing. That tells me that we might be scratching the surface of this problem and the number of children being put at risk might be even higher. Definitely. Everybody knows that if they bring a child, they'll be allowed to stay in the United States. They call it a passport for migration. I heard that directly from a gentleman from 
Oh, I don't even know how to say that. Wetanango? H-U-E-H-U-E-T-E-N-A-N-G-O. The westernmost province of Guatemala. He said almost every case summary he has seen mentions the same thing. The subject, the subject stated that he made the attempt because he heard in this hometown that anyone traveling to the United States with a child will be released. Boy. Guess who's been down there coaching them to do that? It's not their government doing it. Their government wants them to stay. They don't want them to go. That's why I kind of find it funny for some people when they say, go to uh, the embassy in your country and ask for uh, sanctuary or whatever the hell it is. They'd be lucky if they even make it there. They're, some of these people are lucky they even get out of the country. But nevertheless, you got to start somewhere and that's where you got to start you can't just run to the next country or the country after that and think you're going to get somewhere that's not how it works the southern border has become so overwhelmed that most illegal aliens don't even claim credible fear for asylum anymore knowing they'll still be released expeditiously into the united states especially if they have a child Ugh. In Yuma, Arizona, less than 10% of illegal aliens make an asylum claim, Sector Chief Anthony Porvaznik said on April 17th. This, this is despicable. This thing is, this is an extremely long article. I'm not even going to go through it, but this is just, oh, I can't believe Democrats allow this shit in an in, in effort to push their own agenda. It's disgusting. Uh, let's see, uh, what's the next article here? Is this the one? Let me find out for you real quick. Oh yeah, this is it. Trio charged with smuggling a Mexican boy, nine years old, into Texas to sell him for $2,500. Oh, and here we go with the pop-up ads. Oh, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got an ad blocker on my... How the hell do I exclude this thing? <laughs> oh, there we go. Now I'll try it. Done. Three people have been charged after conspiring to smuggle a nine-year-old boy from Mexico to Texas to be sold, officials said. Alita Marino, 26, was paid $1,700 to use her son's birth certificate to smuggle a nine-year-old boy into the United States, officials say. She is a U.S. citizen living in Piedras Negras, Mexico. The boy is believed to have been kidnapped. 
Officials say Marino entered the U.S. through Eagle Pass, Texas, where she and the boys stayed in a hotel before taking a shuttle to San Antonio the next day. She had been asked by a friend's neighbor to meet Mexico citizen Neri Dominguez, 26, at Santa Rosa Park and over the and hand over the boy in exchange for $2,500. This, according to Democrats, this shit doesn't happen. We don't need a wall. Tear it down. No border, no wall, no USA at all. That's what they chant. At some point, the friend's neighbor told Marino not to hand over the boy, causing a struggle between Marino and Dominguez, Officials say San Antonio Police Department showed up at the scene and arrested Dominguez. Excellent. It's unclear where the boy was located at the time. After Marino was instructed to deliver the child to, to Victor Monsivius or Monsivius, 65 years old, instead, she handed him over to a truck stop in San Antonio, officials say. Following a, oh, she handed him over at a truck stop in San Antonio. Following a sting orchestrated by Homeland Security investigations, officials intercepted the boy and Monsivez in a grocery store parking lot in San Antonio on Wednesday morning. According to KSAT, Monsivez was arrested and the boy was recovered, officials say. On Tuesday, Marino was pulled over in Batesville, Texas, and questioned at a Homeland Security facility in Eagle Pass, where she told officials the complicated story, they say. Marino, Dominguez, and Monsivez all face conspiracy charges, while Marino is also charged with bringing an illegal alien into the USA for profit and making a false statement to a federal official upon conviction, officials say. Hang them high. Hang them high. Yeah, I, I can't say no more. This shit's got to come to a stop. And maybe I'll throw in one more here. Oh, let's see. Oh, here, here we go. This is a good one. This one shouldn't take too long. As soon as it loads up. This guy got messed up this guy looks like he might be Hispanic and I'm assuming that he is but a New York City art gallery owner says he was viciously beaten in Manhattan New York by a large group of teens wearing a make America great again hat for wearing a Make America Great Again hat. He was the one wearing the Make America Great Again hat, and that's the reason these teenagers attacked him. Now, this is where... I mean, he looks Hispanic, but the name... I, I'm not even sure. Uh, first name is spelled J-A-H-A-N-G-I-R. Jahangir. And then it's got John in quotes... Turan, T-U-R-A-N, 42 years old, says it happened Tuesday evening on Canal Street. He was wearing the Make America Great Again hat that he had purchased earlier in the day at Trump Tower. So he hasn't even had this thing a full day. He just bought it. 
I love President Trump. I think he's doing a great job, Turan said. He says the group of about 15 kids yelled, Fuck Trump, and stomped on him. One of them smashed his head into his scaffold. I can imagine. I've seen a lot of scaffolds around that place. Turan says he suffered a fracture in his cheek and badly swollen eye. And I mean, by the picture of this... He, he got messed up. I mean, his cheek is just out there. And his eye is swollen. It's definitely half the size smaller than his other eye. All red. Yeah, he got messed up. That's just messed up. And if you want to look at this story, you can find it on my uh, Facebook page at Big Johnson Media. It's probably quite a few stories down now, but it's there. Okay, Turan says he suffered a fracture in his cheek and a badly swollen eye. He's awaiting an eye specialist to determine if there is any permanent damage to his sight. This this crap is getting... I mean, it wasn't just long ago, it was Andy No. And, and he's a gay conservative columnist for several papers, Wall Street Journal and and quite a few others. And all he was doing was videoing. He didn't have a, a MAGA hat on or anything like that, but he got attacked because Antifa found out, you know, that he's a conservative gay writer. So that, that's what they attacked him for. Anyway, Turan held a Thursday afternoon news, news conference to demand that the New York Police Department find those responsible for the attack. I'm sure they're on video somewhere. That, that place is filled with video cameras, so you can't tell me that these sons of bitches have not been caught on camera. As for wearing the hat again in New York City, he says he'll think twice before doing it again. This is why if you wear a MAGA hat anywhere in a large town or something like that, make sure you got about 15 people with you that's wearing them also. Do not wear it alone. I do it where I live because most of the people up here are MAGA hat wearers. It's sad to get beat up for wearing this hat. This is America, Turan said. Fox 5 New York will update the story with any police statement. And then down below it says, editor's note, this story has been updated to reflect that the incident took place on Tuesday and not Monday. And that's the end. No, no further updates on that one. Anyway, that's the end of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed some of the articles here. Learned something. Heard something new. Have a fantastic weekend. And hopefully I'll get another one of these released Sunday. Take care. Magalakamofo. Like